You're listening to the Finishing Strong Podcast, a lifestyle podcast for men who want to thrive in the third quarter season of their life, but need a sustainable plan. I'm your host, Steve Poniotu, and my life has been dramatically changed and influenced by some of the most knowledgeable and thoughtful people in their respective fields. I want to share these ideas and people with you, and perhaps they can do the same for you. Growing old doesn't have to suck. Join me as I'm finishing strong. Hi, welcome. I'd like to welcome Michael Isom. He is a a partner of mine in the sense that I uh, lean on him for financial um, insight. And he is an author, entrepreneur, educator, speaker, wealth strategist, consultant, and owner of Vault AIS. And I'd rather allow him to give his bio and his story about how he got into this business. And then we're going to go into what do men in their 50s need to know about handling their money. So welcome, Michael. Thank you, Steve. Happy to be on the on the show with you. Awesome. So give us a little bio and how you got into the business and um, what your passion is and how you can help men in their 50s. For sure. Yeah. And thank you for the opportunity. I started as an entrepreneur in 1993. I'm 47 years old, married just over 25 years. My wife and I just became empty nesters. Steve, I don't know if you know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's been a fun transition for Wendy and I. Our kids do live close by. Our son left Southern Utah and went down to Southern California for a couple of years in an internship. And he's back and started his own business. So it's a lot of fun. And a lot of our conversation and the reason why I wrote the book, What Would the Rockefellers Do? stems around legacy. And legacy plays such a major role in many of many of our lives as we search out purpose and meaning and fulfillment. So I'd like to touch on that, Steve, a little bit in in, in the show today. But I, in 1993, when I got married to Wendy and started my entrepreneurial business career, I started selling cell phones of all things in 1993 and. For those of you listening, I'm sure you remember the cell phones coming out in the early 90s. They were big Motorola brick phones. They had a bag phone. I was going to college. I was engaged to be married. Thought it'd be a great part-time job while going to college. And Steve, I don't don't know how much of this story you know, but at the age of 22 in 1993, I worked the full month of August 1993 selling cell phones. And they were so new. I worked for a new company, competitor to the only company that was in town prior to that. And in the first 30 days before the fall quarter of college started, I made $20,000 in 30 days. It was, <laughs> it was incredible. That I hadn't made 20 grand in uh, 12 months, let alone 30 days. Right. Yeah. yeah. That was uh, so, those times back then. I remember that it was uh, the Wild West with cell phones. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll never forget driving down a main street here in Southern Utah, St. George, where I live and calling my fiance at the time, Wendy, Hey, can you believe it? I'm driving down the road and I'm talking on the phone. 
<laughs> exactly. Now it's just so common and we can almost run our entire business from our cell phone. But uh, I kept selling cell phones and I did not make less than 20 grand a month from August of 1993 through 1999. Wow. And uh, my father was a truck driver. He taught me the value of hard work. I'm getting a little choked up uh, thinking of him. He passed away five years ago this month, wow. uh, the tragic heart attack at the age of 70. Wow. And uh, so my father taught me hard work and the value of work, hustling. And at that stage of my life, if I were to look at a business owner or entrepreneur's uh, life cycle, as far as different stages, I classified as you start out as a hustler, you become an entrepreneur, you learn more about becoming a CEO, and then you eventually move into the CEO role. And yes, there's always some hustling going on and uh, entrepreneurial stuff. But it's as your business career, at least what I've found for most business owners, it turns into that of a CEO role. So during the 90s, you know, the whole dot-com era, I'm sure we all remember that. The stock market was going through the roof. And I thought the solution with my money for my wife and I and our two kids at the time in 1999 was to be in the stock market. Uh, you know, that everything was going up 20, 30% a year. And so I left the cell phone industry to get into the financial services industry. And I started interviewing at Merrill Lynch. A good friend of mine, Chuck Barton, worked for Merrill Lynch. I went in and went through the series of interviews. And I'm a fact finder. And during that process, I researched and found a company called LEAP, L-E-A-P, Lifetime Economic Acceleration Process. They were not tied to any financial institution. They were all about macroeconomics versus micro. And I wanted to not only manage my money personally and be successful with it, but make a career out of it to assist others. And so really that's how I got my start, Steve, and uh, had lots of ups and downs since then and learned a ton. And the learning through 2007, 2008 went into this book, What Would the Rockefellers Do? when my co-author Garrett Gunderson and I came out with it about three years ago. So what prompted you to write that book? Mm. Uh, Garrett Gunderson and I met the summer of 2000, just after I'd got into the financial services industry. We had two other partners, Ray Hooper and Les McGuire, that died in a tragic plane crash the summer of 06, June 8th of 06. And uh, Garrett and I have known each other since then. We ran our businesses together for years and years and years. And we have always had a pursuit, Steve, to seek out what's true and what's not true about what financial institutions are teaching. And Garrett's first book, which I would encourage all of you listening to this to pick up a copy of Garrett Gunderson's first book titled Killing Sacred Cows. It went on to become a New York Times bestseller in 09, 2009. And then Garrett and I wrote, What Would the Rockefellers Do? And it's always been this deep desire that I've had, that I've shared with all my clients, Steve, that I've shared with you about what's true and what's not true, because all financial institutions have an agenda. Let me go through it with you really quick. If you think of a mortgage company, a bank, 
insurance company, stock brokerage firm, all financial institutions want our money. They want our money on a regular basis. They want to hold on to our money for as long as possible. If you can see me, I've got three fingers up now. So the first finger was they want our money. The second finger is they want it on a regular basis. The third finger is they want to hold on to it for as long as possible. And the fourth thing, the fourth main rule or agenda that they live by is they want to hold on to our money for as long as possible. Makes sense, doesn't it, Steve? Yes. Yeah. So with that agenda, they manufacture products and services that meet that agenda. And then they hire a sales force out there, financial planners, certified financial planners, mortgage brokers, insurance agents, stockbrokers to sell that agenda. So think about it. How many times have you heard, hey, you're in it for the long haul. Market goes up, market goes down, but overall, you're gonna you're gonna average this rate of return. You've heard that before, right, Steve? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 maybe you've heard this one. Wouldn't it be great to retire off of such a large sum of money you could live interest only from it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that meets the agenda, right? They want to hold on to it because what financial and there's no conspiracy around this, but what financial institutions do with our money is they lend it out and get it back, and lend it out and get it back. So they teach us to accumulate our cash and not touch it. And they do the exact opposite with our money. They lend it out, get it back, lend it out, get it back. And they make a spread every time they do that. Right. So we make a benefit and I'm not saying we don't by adhering to that agenda, but what if it were possible for us to get our money, put it in an area where we could use it, get it back, use it, get it back, and turn it over similar to what a bank does. And that's macroeconomics. Microeconomics is we put it in one place, we let it sit, we don't touch it. And there's some value in that, but as we educate ourselves and we are clear about no one is coming to save us, we must create our own pension plan, our own retirement account, and gain some education to a certain point where we know what to do with our cash versus just blindly following the advice of financial institutions. We can outperform market rates by controlling our cash, utilizing our money for future money decisions we're going to make anyway, and we don't have to put it at risk. So in our book, What Would the Rockefellers Do? We focus on legacy planning because it empowers us to think that way today. We focus on banking with our own cash for future money decisions that we're going to make anyway. And it allows us to not have to utilize the stock market if we don't want to and still create a high rate of return, but do it with much more certainty and predictability. Interesting. I guess um, what I think about is there's so many scams out there you know, and you just don't know who to believe and trust and that kind of thing. Speak to that com uh, compared to what, what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. We pride ourselves on a series of meetings and education, Steve, just like you and I have had over the years where you can know versus hope. We write about it in our book, What Would the Rockefellers Do? Knowing versus hoping because we can leverage this knowing 
And so it starts with the agenda of a financial institution, understanding their agenda, understanding there's only so many places with a financial institution that you can put your cash. And then why I rebranded our company a couple of years ago to Vault AIS. And the AIS stands for Asset Investment Strategy, AIS. Number one asset, what's the number one asset out there in the market today? What's the number one investment that you can make with your cash? And what's the number one strategy? So we take individuals through a process to educate them to where you know versus hope and you gain some knowledge. And uh, for any of you listening and you're blindly turning your money over to a money manager, they, you, you know, I, I don't think they're out to really scam anyone. I think there are scammers out there and, and they get brought to justice and things like that. But overall, the financial institutions and who they hire and how they're regulated, you know, they're, they're doing the best they can, but they don't know. It's a gamble for them, just like it is for anyone else that has their money in the market, because there's no way to predict based off of past results what's going to happen in the future. And that's all the stock market is. They base it off of the past. And so it, it's about education. It's about understanding and taking the time. No one's going to come and save you. You must educate yourself to a certain degree so you're not just blindly gambling, putting money somewhere. Yeah, it seems like a lot of other type of institutions in the sense that there's a, a you know standard of care in the medical industry that you just doctors have to follow or, or they're going to get sued or uh, something goes wrong. They're covered by their insurance and that kind of thing. And and um, many doctors have to follow this and they do blindly uh, because they they have to play the game. I'm. Does it, is it the same kind of thing in the financial institutions that there, it, there's a standard operating procedure and everybody, most people follow that and this is kind of a, a diversion or I, I don't want to say hack, it's probably used way too much, but this is a, a, a more educated hack, if you will. Well said, Steve. Yes, that standard operating procedure is that agenda that I spoke about. All the products and services that that are sold by these certified financial planners, financial planners, stockbrokers, mortgage brokers, insurance agents, they're utilizing this agenda because they're selling these products the way that the financial institutions want them to be sold, which is that standard operating procedure in the medical industry same as the financial services industry. So if, if any of you listening were to look at the financial products and services that you have, does it meet that agenda? They want your money, they want it on a regular basis, they want to hold on to it for as long as possible, and they want to pay it back to you as slow as possible. Yeah. Yeah. As slow as possible, get it back to you. That's yeah. it's, it's so true. So are you... Um shunned by by the institutions out there are you are you a the black sheep or <laughs> how, how do they look at you yeah yeah that's a great question um when garrett gunderson and i released our book what would the rockefellers do we got some hate mail we disclosed commissions and and percentages and things of that nature that 
financial institutions pay on products and insurance products and retirement accounts. And uh, we, we used for quite some time some Forbes articles, some 60-minute uh, specials that all of you can Google and look up. And then Tony Robbins really brought it to the mainstream when he came out with his book just over four years ago, Money Master of the Riches, big, thick book, and he disclosed 17 hidden management fees in retirement accounts, 401ks, IRAs, SEP simples, hidden. They don't have to be disclosed. That one to 2% management fee that's disclosed, on top of that, there's 17 hidden management fees, and he goes into depth on them in his book. So that helps substantiate a lot of what we're talking about or what we continue to talk about. And those management fees total between three to 4% a year on all of your money in a managed account, in a managed retirement account. So we, uh, we got some hate mail when we came out with our book and uh, from agents, uh, but we continue to, uh, uh, build our business and meet with clients one-on-one. -on -one. There's there's a, a large gathering of us, if you will, across the country. We are licensed. We are regulated by the financial institutions, but and we have to be to, to have errors and emissions insurance and things of that nature. But yeah, we go against the grain. And uh, just like big, big medical, big pharma, they have just billions of dollars they pour into their marketing financial institutions are doing the exact same thing. Wow. That's, yeah. yeah, that's quite a, I mean, being in alternative care, I guess you, you would call it, it there's a definite parallel here for yes. sure. Yes. And it's not, you know, anything illegal or anything like that. It's just a different way of looking at it and not, and just questioning why, why, you know, why is this done this way for so long? And is there a better way? And, and, and it's, I, I guess you built a better mousetrap, didn't you? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and the proof is in the pudding, meaning uh, we can take a look at what someone's currently doing with their money, lower their risk and get them more spendable cash during their retirement years. So for those of you listening, you're in your 50s, you're, you're looking out there at the horizon of what's ahead and wanting to make sure your planning is maximized and that you can actually retire when you want to uh, versus being forced into it or being forced to work longer because the markets have shifted right before you wanted to retire. We can take all of those money decisions, coordinate them together and give you more spendable cash while we lowering your risk at the same time by coordinating your money decisions together versus just blindly following the advice of the financial institution specifically on how you spend on how you grow it and then how you spend it because remember the agenda of the financial institution they want you to keep that money there and only take a certain amount out each year well there are products that you can use that allow you to pay down accounts versus just take interest only from them. And when you understand the effect and you coordinate that with other money decisions together, you can create right around 30 to 40% more spendable income and lower your risk at the same time by doing, doing it that way. Good stuff. So let's, let's kind of um, role play, if you will. Um, I, you know, I'm a, and it, it really, 
it happened to me. I mean, uh, um, we met what probably uh, two and a half years ago, something like that. Um, um, and I was I'm in my mid fifties and and didn't have but very little uh, in in terms of investment for my future from retirement. I have 401k, but it's not huge. Um, and uh, I got introduced to you and tell, go through that process. What do you do with a guy like me? Yeah. Yeah. The first thing we do and that we did together and I continue to do with every new client is number one, where are you? Right. If you're lost somewhere and you ask someone directions, first thing they're going to ask you is, where are you? Right. So there's so much value. And Steve, if you think back of when we did first meet two and a half years ago and you filled out that financial questionnaire and, and you got clear, number one, on where are you? Where am I at with my 401k, my other investments, my retirement account, my business equity, my debt window, just everything that I have going on? Where am I? There's so much value that can come into our lives by gaining clarity on where we are, number one. Once we gain clarity on where we are, and, and do you agree, Steve, is there a ton of value in that? Yes. I, I got to tell you, though, it's it's uh, it's an emotional thing. Mm -hmm. um, and and it's it, it's probably a step that, that is, um, people don't want to take because it's looking in the mirror and, 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 and really um, being honest. And I remember you and I having this conversation about being honest about this because it's embarrassing for me. It was embarrassing because mm. I had very little to show for my 55 years of, of living. And it was, uh, I had to look in the mirror and, and, and be honest. And, and you were really gracious with that. And, there, there's no judgment or anything. It's just, you know, where are you? And I, here I am. And, but it, but it's, there's an emotional thing there that, that uh, you, you want to hide. And, uh, uh, but that's the only way you can move forward is if you're totally honest with yourself. Uh, I think uh, is that Jocko Willick and the Navy SEAL guy, he wrote a book about extreme ownership. And I, I think of that. It's coming to a place uh, of just being honest with yourself because you can't really move on unless you're, you are totally honest. So that was, that was a, you know, a tough one. And, and knowing that I wasn't being judged and, you know, I, I don't have a, a ton of assets and, and, you know, you, you kind of feel, you can feel like a loser and, and that kind of thing. Um, and, but you made it so easy and, and, uh, you know, there is no judgment. It's just, it's just where you're at. And until you get there, then, um, you can't move forward. So that was, that was a, a really interesting and great and mandatory exercise. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, boy, it's, it's, it's nice for me to hear you talk like that about it because I, I get, you know, to where I'm doing so many appointments a day and week and months and then the years go by and it's one after another. And, and, and it's, it's great for me to hear that on the other side because I have my plan, my wife, Wendy and I, and 
our kids and you know i've got my plan and i've been doing it for years and years and years and years and years and so each time i meet with someone just like i did with you steve this plan is for you and it starts with that extreme ownership i i, I love hearing that i had said earlier about no one's coming to save us and it's in taking a deep dive at what you're currently doing why you're doing it what you expect it to do is it doing what you think it's supposed to do or is doing so we take a lot of time and a lot of pride in in gathering that information assisting there's just a ton of value in the first and second appointment with myself or one of my team members here at vault ais about where are you what do you have going on uh, what do you expect it to do what has it been doing and, and there we, we we at first eliminate the emotion we're looking for facts we want to separate the feelings feelings are extremely important but we want to just get to the facts i'm six foot three i'm 205 pounds and i'm 14 percent body fat like what are the facts i could give you this whole big story about all of that but what are the facts and same with our finances and then it's this very intimate conversation of well, what do you want then? Here's where you are, where do you want to go? And it's okay to want what you want. And there's so much power when we are clear about where we are and where we want to go. Steve, if you think back in your life on some of the massive things personally and professionally, that you were crystal clear about where you were and where you wanted to go. It's like game over, right? You just go after it and make it happen. Yes. Yeah. I think, um, for me, when you, when you mentioned that is, is my kind of recent transformation the last year, I, I knew what I wanted, but I didn't know how to do it or didn't mm. have a plan. And it, it was uh it it really deflates you if you if you you know what you want but you just don't know how to do it and and so um for me you know i mean through this process was was that 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 first where you at where you where are you and and being honest with that and then having a plan rather than saying you know to to a guy who's drowning and doesn't know how to swim swim harder like well, it, it doesn't do them any good to swim harder if they don't know how to swim so you yes. you gave us gave me a plan uh and, and and talked about here's what the landscape looks like and here's where we're going to make it better um i think you know and and, and you can and speak to this um about people they just don't take that much interest maybe in it um, mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And this is your nest egg. This is, this is what you're, you're building, trying to build, but you, 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 you don't treat it with urgency and, and, and get into the details. And um, I think people just kind of just, they're okay with mediocrity in, in their investments and that kind of thing. Speak to that. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Um, so Steve, what I heard you say, and it's step number three, once we're clear about where we are and where we want to go is then what are the steps to take to get to there? 
And that's that planning that takes place step by step to get there. But then I also heard you say, you know, why why do people procrastinate? Why do they put this off? Why isn't there that priority? And it's this belief I've found, and I had this for quite some time, and I've had my ups and downs in my life of making money and losing money and building it back up again, that we believe we can produce our way out of it. We believe we could always hustle. And then there's that day where we wake up and we're like, ooh, I might not be able to hustle the rest of my life. Right. You know, it's usually in our mid to late 40s, definitely into our early 50s, you know, mid 50s, we wake up one day and we're like, ooh, I may not be able to continue to hustle the way that I'm hustling right now, you know, well into my 60s or 70s. And and I'm not saying don't continue to produce and exercise our mind and body the rest of our life, but have the option to, I believe we'll produce even more value in the marketplace for longer when we have this advanced planning going on with our money and our finances. Would you agree, Steve? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We're able to enjoy more of what is on a daily basis when we have this clarity of where we are, where we want to go, and the steps that we're taking to get there, we we were able to be more present with situations with our spouse and kids and grandkids and business partners and clients or whoever, customers that we're working with as a result of having this clarity in our life, just like our health. You know, if I if I'm sick, I, I I'm, I'm, I don't want to come into the office. In fact, there's days if I'm that sick that I'm not able to. And so I, you know, invest in preventative maintenance and exercise and meal planning and chiropractic care and things of that nature, because it fulfills me more and it allows me to create the most for those around me also at the same time. Right. So there's a, uh, there's a, there's a chasm between, um, people that are, are investing in the traditional model and in what you're doing. And that's kind of, you know, uh, that's the pain, I guess, uh, in the sense that we need to know there's an alternative and a, and a better way and, 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 a, and a better way to, to give us freedom. Talk about freedom in this if unless I'm jumping ahead too much. No, no, you're fine. I'm happy to go anywhere with it. So what about freedom, Steve? Yeah. How does this, how, I mean, to, to me, when, when we talked and when I learned about the, the, the traditional model and the versus the model that you're, you're proposing, there was a tremendous amount of freedom and, and ownership of where I'm going rather than allowing situations to, to affect me. I'm, I'm more in the driver's seat and, and in control. And there's a freedom that comes with that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, what, what Steve's talking about is he's talking about a concept we call the economic value of certainty, which tremendous economic value when we know versus hope. For example, I'm staring out the window of my office, and for those of you that are familiar with Southern Utah, St. George, it is snowing here. 
<laughs> it doesn't snow in St. George and and we live up on a hill and I salted and uh, and scraped uh, shoveled the driveway this morning before I came into the office for this call Steve and uh, it's snowing but can you imagine driving in the snow with bald tires on your car versus driving in the snow having a fresh set of snow tires on the car and what's the feeling like between the two yeah right? it's control really yeah yeah it's control it's peace of mind it's knowing versus hoping and you know do we have our wife next to us are there any kids or grandkids in the car or, you know this precious cargo and and what what if you know in transit or contrast that with driving down a, a twisty windy road that you've never been on versus a twisty windy road that you've been on before and know what's around those corners or turns and so it's this economic value that can come into our life and give us that peace of mind give us the ability to be even more present more creative more useful lower the cortisone in our body by lowering the stress in our body like Gosh, there's a direct impact. I'm sure, well, I was going to make a joke out of it, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> I'm sure most of you have felt the effect of stress and money in your life. And so that we pride ourselves because we live it ourselves in, in this process. And, and, you know, Steve, just like you said, it's just taking the time to take ownership and and get clear on where you are, where you want to go, and a game plan to get there. And our model, the difference in our model is that we use guaranteed fixed instruments. So our clients don't have to take any risk, but we teach them how to coordinate it with everything else that they're doing to where it creates a high rate of return, lowers the risk. Yes, that is possible. And it gives them that certainty in their planning that they can leverage in every other area of their life. Right. That's the freedom. I think um, I'm thinking of men and, you know, people that don't have a, a ton of money. I mean, because because I think when I thought of uh, financial planning and all that kind of stuff, it's like I didn't I don't have enough money to do anything with. That's one of the things that that come up and and it probably come up when in, in some of the listeners minds too as well. You know, I don't make $300,000 or I don't make, you know, $200,000. I make $75,000 a year or something like that. Yeah. And so I don't have enough money to, to, to provide or, or have a plan. I just, there's just not enough to do. What do you say to that? Yeah. Well, this can work. And, and great question, Steve. Uh, you know, and I remember you making some of those comments and, and uh and and we're able to coordinate you we were able to coordinate your money decisions together and and there was money that was freed up that you were able to then put towards the plan that you wanted uh, to get the outcomes that you wanted and so no matter what income you're at it's all relative right there's just zeros and decimal points of of where are you where do you want to go and what's it going to take to get there and if it's hundreds of dollars a month or thousands of dollars a month that uh, you start putting towards the plan to make that happen, then it's just the zeros and decimal points. So you can start at any 
age, any income, how to make that happen. Yeah, that's good. Because I do want to, uh, I, I do want to um, allow this to be something for uh, for my kids to listen to and understand. Mm -hmm. And and uh, you can, my kids are in their their twenties and um, they haven't hit their their full stride in their in their uh, profession yet. But this is the things that that they need to know about to start early and and. Um, so it doesn't take a ton of money. It just takes a willingness and a plan. And, um, and that's where you go. What are some of the, uh, roadblocks, if you will, that you get from people, um, you know, when, when you start this process? Yeah. One of them is what you just spoke about, Steve. And it's the, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I can or could or should or would or anything like that with my money. And, and so uh, that's a roadblock, you know, not thinking that they have anything to work with. And that's the power of macroeconomics versus micro. And the macro is coordinating everything together and freeing up some of that money. There's, there's money leaks all over the place that people make and have you know, what they're currently doing with their money. And they don't see that ability to, to free up cash to be able to make that happen. And then, and then when you were talking about kids, our daughter started her career, our son's starting his, and the number one thing that we've always taught them is to learn to live off of 80% of what you make. It's not, ah, oh, I have to save 20%. No, it's you get to spend 80% of that, thus leaving the 20% to, to save. Um, so no matter what age, no matter where they're at, no matter what they've done, no matter what they're doing, there are ways to coordinate all your money decisions together and create that higher rate return, lower risk that I keep talking about. But yeah, it's, I think the number one thing is, uh, man, I don't, I don't know where to go. I don't know who to trust. I don't know what to do. So it's a series of education and it's, it's you as a listener making a commitment and then being ruthlessly committed to that outcome of I'm going to gain clarity. I'm going to find out what, you know, just like healthcare, what I could be doing, what preventative maintenance I would want to do and continue to do in my life. Right. That's, that's great. Speak uh, to me about, or speak to us about, um, just in a, a, a brief, uh, the, the story of the Vanderbilts and the Rockefellers, mm -hmm. I just found that, um, that was new to me and, mm -hmm. and not that I'm a big, you know, I'm not, I, I, you know, I confess I'm not a big history buff and, um, all that kind of stuff, but that was really intriguing to understand that story. So briefly we, we got, uh, you know, about 12 minutes left. Take, take five minutes and just give us a, the story of the Rockefellers and the Vanderbilts. Yeah, yeah. I'm smiling. It's, it's fun for me. We open our book up, What Would the Rockefellers Do With This Story? And that's what Steve's talking about, about the Vanderbilts and the, the Rockefellers. And I'm sure most of you have heard these names before, but it's interesting to research the history. And I'm not a big history buff. My wife is. And 
and my co-author Garrett Gunderson. He's he's somewhat of a history buff, and and it was really fun for me to learn uh, the difference between these two families. So Cornelius Vanderbilt made his fortune in the transportation business, and it you know the turn of the nineteenth century he he was worth over a hundred million dollars, which would be billion, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars today. This is in, uh, and then he passed away in the late 1800s and the 1870s. And he passed on his uh, family fortune, everything to, to his son. Uh, but then after his son, oh, and at that time he, he donated a million dollars to help start up Vanderbilt university that I'm sure most of you have, have heard about. And he, of course, uh, also, was very charitable and donated to churches and things of that nature. But his son, uh, William Henry Vanderbilt, uh, continued to build uh, and use that money, but it, but it, he didn't put in place the things that would allow for that cash to continue to go on to future generations. And so even though the name Vanderbilt is a name that we may have heard of or that's out there in the nation today, there's no family fortune left with that money. It eventually just faded out and is completely gone, which is incredible. And then you contrast that with uh, John D. Rockefeller. And uh, he was in the uh, oil and kerosene business. He had Standard Oil in 1870. And uh, he continued to build his fortune and he continued to put in place things that we talk about in chapter 12 of our book, what would the Rockefellers do estate planning documents that allowed for that family fortune to grow to not only hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars, but to pass on to future generations. And, you know, hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars may seem just so far out of touch, but what if it's tens of thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars that you can not only utilize in your lifetime, but then pass on to your kids. So for Wendy and I and, and, and our clients here at Vault AIS and Steve, I, 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 you know, in our conversations and reason why you're doing a lot of what you're doing in your life today is because we want to be able to pass this on to our kids, not only how we did it, but the cash itself. And you can leave both. And so it's a really powerful example of uh, the Vanderbilts and the Rockefellers and all the good that can be done. I believe money is an enhancer, an enhancer of who we are. And so I'm empowered. My wife, Wendy, and I are empowered to not only teach our kids while we're alive, but then when we pass away, have our family fortune, whatever it will be at that time, to pass on to our kids. And they don't just get the money outright, but they get to utilize the cash to continue to build the family values that we've put in place with our estate planning. We have a statement of purpose. We write about this in our book, What Would the Rockefellers Do? And Steve, just like for you and many of you listening and myself, it brings me more purpose to my life today to wake up in the morning knowing that I have this estate planning done, knowing that while I'm alive, I'll continue to educate and and lead our family but upon my death and my wife's death the estate planning we have in place will live on for future generations and that gives me 
so much more purpose to my life today, knowing that that's a fact. And we don't write them ourselves, but we direct our clients to estate planning attorneys that assist them with that. And it's a really powerful concept to have that in your life. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And once one thing that you didn't touch on yet, and I'm not sure we have time to today, but it's what you get into the, the kind of the, uh, some of the, the perks of this program is the cash flow and the, the, the freedom and management that you're your own bank. Mm. Uh, you become your own bank instead of utilizing and playing the, the financial institution game, you become the, the bank and you, you can borrow from yourself and, and, and that kind of thing. Can you talk on that real quick? Sure. Sure. What Steve's talking about is what I was referring to earlier, which is lowering your risk, creating a higher rate of return and using guaranteed fixed instruments. So we teach all of our clients to not put their cash somewhere and take risk on it in any way, shape or form when they relinquish control of it. If they don't have knowledge, expertise, purpose, and passion in that area. So if you're a business owner, great, invest in your business. You have knowledge, information, purpose, passion, control. That's the first place. And that's your number one investment is your business, your career, your ability to continue to perform at the highest level. But when you relinquish control of your cash, that's number one strategy. Keep your cash guaranteed, protected, and liquid and the liquidity of that cash allows you to use it for future money decisions that you're gonna make anyway, but you pay yourself the interest versus paying a financial institution. And that creates a very high rate of return, especially when you understand how interest rates work, leverage financial institutions, their agenda, use your cash for those future money decisions. You're either going to pay the interest to a bank, why not pay it to yourself? and understand that spread and the rate of return you can earn on that. Good. I hope that uh, whet the appetite of some people <laughs> to learn more. It was, I mean, I had a crash course in economics and the financial institutions with you. And that was, that was really interesting um, because you took the time to do that with me. And I mean, um, and you were referred to me by, by a mutual friend, Chris Lippy, and, yes. and I, I trust Chris, um, like a brother. And I, I mean, you know, the first 10 minutes I would have invested my money with you, but you, you put that off. Um, and it was probably, uh, what was it? Four meetings, something like that before you even said, would you like to, to move on or something like yeah, that? Yeah. And it was, <laughs> for, for me, it was like, it is like, well, you had me at, you know, the first, first, first 10 minutes of the, of the first call, but you, you, you took the time and educated me and it just gave me a, a, a greater foundation and an understanding of, of, all the things that we've talked about today, the clarity and the and, and where I'm at, what's going on, and the steps to get there, and it was there was no hidden agenda, nothing. It was all out in the open, and I I really appreciate that. And and 
the listeners out there, um, you know, you, if you want this, um, he, Michael makes it easy. Uh, um, and I don't know. I, I just, I thought it was a amazing experience and I hope all of you guys can, can experience that. And, um, why don't you take, you know, a, a couple minutes to, to close us on some final thoughts, um, maybe for young people, um, you know, in their twenties, thirties, and then, and then further into the fifties, um, just closing thoughts and encouragement and that kind of thing. Great. Great. And thanks for saying all that, Steve. It feels really good to hear. Once again, we created an assessment. You can find it at vaultais.com, vaultais.com. Just scroll to the bottom, watch the 90-second video of me, and then click on the assessment. There's 10 areas of our life financially that you can score yourself on. On 1 to 12 of where are you? You Towards the 1, 2, 3, you're in the middle, 5, 6, 7, right in there. Are you, are you at 10, 11, 12? You got that area covered taxes, debt, investment, insurance, estate planning, you know, banking, things of that nature. There's 10 areas you can quickly score yourself. And if you put in there who referred you, just put Steve and uh, I'll look at each one of those personally. And if you want to move forward, we can invite you to move forward. We can send you one of our books, What Would the Rockefellers Do? But if you'll take that assessment, that's the first step of knowing where you are at any age, where you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, find out where you are, take that assessment, vaultais.com. And Steve, as you were asking that also, I was thinking of our daughter and our son and you know them saving 20% of what they make by having the mindset of, I'm going to live off of 80%. There, there aren't the pensions out there anymore that there used to be. And when Social Security first came out, people's lifespan was that of a, a 55 to 60-year-old. That was the life expectancy back then when Social Security came out. And I think we all know that people are living longer, you know, and preventative maintenance and things of that nature that are taking place. It's, it's common now for people to live into their 90s and early 100s. Uh, today and that's just going to continue to increase and so it's encouraging for me to understand the ais in my life and each one of my clients and you can go to our our, our facebook page vault ais and you can do the assessment get on our weekly newsletter that we have come out i do a weekly video now and i talk about ais you are your number one asset you always have, you always will. It's not a stock, it's not a bond, it's not a mutual fund, it's not your business. It's you as the individual and as you take care of yourself, you educate yourself, you increase your knowledge, expertise, purpose, and passion. You can take that into your number one investment, which has been and will always be something you control and have knowledge, expertise, and purpose, and passion in, and that's your career and that's your business. So if you can invest more in your career to increase your personal stock value or your business, that's where we want money to go first. And then when you're going to relinquish control of your cash, that's number one strategy. Keep it guaranteed, protected, and liquid. The guarantee of your cash protects your mindset, which is your ability to continue to produce at the highest level in your career or your business. 
and the liquidity of that cash allows you to use it for future money decisions that you're going to make anyway, but now you can be the bank that Steve talked about and pay yourself the interest versus paying it to a financial institution and that creates a very high rate of return. Amazing. Good stuff. Michael, it's been a pleasure talking to you and 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 this is exactly what I was hoping for is just further clarity on this area of life that's so important. I mean, we talk about legacy, we talk about um, just just uh, the the feeling of, of freedom and security and that kind of thing. And um, I really appreciate your time and the time you took with me to walk me through this and to, to, to set up a plan for me. It's a no brainer for me. It comes out of my paycheck every month and that's security for me. And um, it, it's great for me and my family and my kids. And, and I, I just want to pass this information on to all you listeners. Um, and we will put all, all his contact information in the show notes. Um, Michael is a, is a, is a really interesting man. I think you'd really like to spend some time with him and his knowledge. So, uh, Michael, again, thank you for your time. You're and welcome. we will be t talking to you soon. Okay. Look forward to it, Steve. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for listening to the Finishing Strong podcast. If you've been impacted by what you've heard on this episode, like, comment, and subscribe, and tell a friend. Follow our guests and check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Growing old doesn't have to suck. Join me as I'm finishing strong.